Welcome to Collected Talks of David Solomon, podcasts on Jewish history, the Bible, Jewish mysticism, philosophy, and thought. Find out more about David's upcoming classes, publications, and other recorded lectures by visiting davidsolomon.online. And now, here's the lecture. Hello, this is Marjorie Solomon, producer of Collected Talks of David Solomon. I'd like to give a short introduction in advance of this week's episode, which is a little different from most others. This talk was in fact given first night Cholomoed Pesach, that's last night at the time of recording this introduction. The talk, entitled Pesach Revelations, contains a number of fascinating ideas and mystical insights into the festival of Passover. However, there are elements within this talk that may be complex for listeners, including a number of the terms and ideas that David refers to throughout the lecture. For those of you who managed to work through these small challenges, I believe that you will find that persevering to the end is incredibly rewarding. Chag Sameach and enjoy the talk. Good evening. Thanks for joining me in this uh, special space. And Chag uh, Sameach to everyone. Obviously, I was a few minutes late because uh, tonight is uh, the Yatzeit, the anniversary of the passing of uh, our late mother, who passed away uh, on the first day Cholamoid Pesach five years ago now. And so I'm going to dedicate this talk to her uh, memory and for the ascent of her soul. And uh, I told Orna that the topic of the talk would be Pesach Revelations, which um, left a fair amount of room for uh, me to work out what it was I was going to talk about. Uh, and But I have come upon an idea that I thought is extremely fundamental to a mystical or Kabbalistic reading of Pesach. When I talk with Orna for Neshama Life, I tend to talk on more mystical dimensions of, of Torah. And, uh, so, and that means, uh, therefore, that we will have a great variety of awareness and pre-knowledge in the room. And so I'm going to try and pitch it at a level where it will be comprehensible to whoever is attempting to follow me. But for those who know a little bit more, they will see inside what I'm saying, perhaps uh, a little bit, uh, a, a few deeper themes that we'll only be able to touch on at the surface. So... I want to first talk about the concept of Pesach, which in Kabbalistic terms is really a manifestation of the concept of Da'at. And uh, Da'at, of course, is, we know Da'at Kabbalistically in one sense uh, as a designation for one of the Sfirot. We often classically go Chokhmah, Bina, Da'at. And I'm going to have to assume that the people in this room uh, are familiar to some extent with the concepts uh, and terminology of the Sfirot, the ten creative modalities by which God is manifest in the world and by which the universe comes into being itself. They are a framework of the divine creative power that guides the world, that creates the world, that sustains it, and ultimately, eventually assimilates the world 
into being a fully realized part of the divine itself. They are configuration of divine creative power. The ten creative modalities of God by which the universe comes into being and by which God is revealed in the universe. And the festival of Pesach famously is a manifestation of the concept of Da'at. So I want to talk a little bit about the concept of Da'at since that's the fundamental Kabbalistic theme of Pesach from which everything emerges. And Da'at, if we were looking for a translation of the concept of Da'at, and it would be very easy for us to say, ah, Da'at is like, you know, what modern Hebrew might think of as Da'at, or maybe even medieval rabbinic Hebrew might think of as Da'at, meaning knowledge, science, knowledge, uh, but Kabbalistically, the concept of Da'at really takes on a much more powerful phenomenological meaning because we really need, first of all, we don't want to translate it, so we're going to talk about Da'at, but if we were trying to find an English word that would come closest to the concept of Da'at, we would probably go with the word consciousness. It's not simply about you know, chokhmah, wisdom, or bina, understanding, but it is the sense of uh, a shift in our mental uh, apprehension where we affect a synthesis between ourselves and that which we are trying to perceive, and we could call that uh, conscious awareness. I'm not talking about consciousness as in, you know, a person's asleep or they fell off a roof, God forbid, and they went unconscious. Yep, I'm not, and therefore, when we wake them up, they become conscious uh, because even animals have that level of consciousness. I'm talking about conscious of something transcendent, whether it be humanity itself, whether it be language, whether it be identity, or whether in fact it be the divine in the world. The concept of consciousness. And the intersection of the divine, the universal divine, and this thing that we call our personal identity, and our identity is part of the Jewish people and is part of the Jewish continuum in the world, is the nexus of consciousness that Da'at is concerned about. And I'm going to unpack that idea and why Pesach is the festival that focuses primarily on that nexus. And in order to do that, in order to do that, I'm going to talk, since we're talking Kabbalistically, I'm going to talk about the relationship between Da'at and the Sphira that it really is, which is Keter. What is the relationship between Keter and Da'at, and Da'at and Keter? Because, as the Ari famously tells us, as Chaim Vital tells us in Priet Chaim, this remarkable idea that we kind of already worked out, which is that Keter is Da'at. Da'at is Keter. So here's one idea that I want to actually um, share with you. Now normally, when people think of the Sfirot, yeah, is everybody familiar with the picture of the Sfirot simply represented as circles? Yes? So what we are used to is this idea where we go, Chokhmah, uh, Bina, Da'at, Chesed, Gvurat, Tiferet, Netzachot, Yesod, Malchut. And we know famously that there are always 10, 10 and not 11, 10 and not 9, 
So we would, uh, if we were not talking about Da'at, but instead we were talking about Keter, and we wanted to represent it with Keter in the diagram of the Sfirot, so most people would imagine that Keter would be another circle somewhere above the Chokhmah Bina axis, and above that would be Keter. Everybody follow what I'm saying? But that's not really the conceptual uh, understanding of Keter that is given over in that configuration. If we really want to understand what Keter is, you wouldn't represent it like that. You would represent it such that Chokhmah and Bina and Chesed, Gvura, Tiferet, Netzachot, Yisot, Malchud would be in the familiar tree configuration that we have. And Keter would not be a circle above that. It would be an entire circle around it. Keter is the Malchut of the entire configuration above. As though the configuration we're looking at on any particular plane or dimension of reality is actually contained within a malchut that is above it, that is represented at the level we're looking at as keter. And yet keter, so on one, le- <laughs> on one level, keter is also a malchut, but that is a completely different level. The keter of one level is the malchut of the level above. And the malchut of any level is the keter of the level b- below. That's keter malchut. As the Patach Eliyahu says, Magid Mereshit Acharit. So he tells the end from the beginning. So we know the only way you would represent that would be an entire circle going around the entire mapping. But what the Ari unfolds for us in relation to keter is that keter, when we, when we, when we think about keter and when we incorporate keter into our thinking and Keter really is going to be any level of the divine that we acknowledge is transcendent and way above our ability to comprehend when we have that conception of God I love the expression I saw it in the Perush to Svirat Omer in the Sidur of Shnir Zalman of Liadi yep which is I recommend to anyone it's an astonishing drush it's it's Elakadelakaya. It's the God of Gods. Keter is every time we think or talk of the idea of God transcendent above anything that can be comprehended or even described in the Svirat, that's Keter, the completely and absolutely transcendent God. But that God, that level of the divine, is what we call, obviously, at the level of Pnimiut. And this is very, very interesting because it's a little bit of a takes a little bit of a shift in thinking to equate the concept of universalism or transcendence in relation to the divine and the concept of pnimiut, normally of, of interiority, of inwardness. Normally when we think of pnimiut, we're thinking more of particularism rather than generalisms or universals. But it's an inner dimension. The chitzoniyot, the outer dimension, in other words, the more revealed aspect of keter, is da'at. And therefore, when we speak of the divinest keter, we're speaking of the elyon ha'elyonim, we're speaking of the high above the high ones. Whereas when we speak of, of that level of the divine as da'at, da'at is the tachton of the elyonim. 
It is the bottom part of the high ones. And therefore we talk of Da'at, consciousness, and remember what I said at the beginning, Da'at is consciousness, that's what we agreed and no one seemed to disagree with that, that Da'at is the level of Chitzoniyot, the outwardness, the exteriority of the divine. In other words, Da'at is the consciousness of apprehension of the divine in the world at any one stage of its unfolding. As the world goes through its unfolding, its hishtal shalut, in its continuum towards fully realized divine consciousness, the divine itself is apprehended in the world in different stages, in different ways, but whatever stage it is at, it is an aspect of Da'at. So on the one hand, it is a form of definition of apprehension of the divine, but however reified, it's Da'at. Keter is always transcendent, whatever level you're at. And Da'at is whatever is apprehended in the world as consciousness. So what the Ari tells us is that up until the exodus from Egypt, Da'at in the world, the knowledge of God, of what God is, or what God could be, or what the divine, how the divine could be apprehended, was at the level of Ehyeh. It was at the level that is completely unknown, the, this, this term of Elakade Elakaya. Until the Yitzhak Mitzrayim, until the going out of Egypt, God was apprehended in the world at this highly transcendent level, that that's unknowable, whatever the divine is. So everybody might have had their own local perception of God, but the wider perception of God was basically, there must be this God of gods, this Elakad Elakaya, there must be this God of gods, and we don't know anything about the God of gods. And then everybody has their own local kind of manifestation of it. The two were not seen as reconciled that there was actually only one divine force in the world and that transcendence was coming in to unify everything. And at that level, explains the Ari, that the, there, with, with the birth of the idea of, of God and monotheism that was going to come into the world, at the birth of that idea, which was what really the Exodus from Egypt represents for us, and the birth of the Jewish people is that there was a constriction. And as I talk, I'm translating these Lurianic ideas not only into English, but also into comprehensible concepts. There was a restriction. And of course, the concept of Mitzrayim, of Meitzarim, is the concept of constriction. There was a constriction of the concept, of the true concept of God, the deeper, the higher level of the concept of God coming into the world, and that that constriction was composed of ten sfirot of the name of Ehyeh. Now the name of Ehyeh, which is a divine name, but as it doesn't tell you anything, what's the meaning of the word Ehyeh? I will be. And that is the famous Ehyeh Asher Ehyeh, which we acknowledge at the level of Keter, that Hashem says to Moshe, I will be that which I will be. But the concept of Ehyeh is so unknowable 
that it belongs in the temporal dimension that is utterly blocked off to us from foresight, which is the future. Oh, except via nevoah. But the future is unknowable. Remember, the, the past is divine being that has already been actualized. It's not how Plotinus says in the Aeneids, famously, that with every passing sec- sec- second, all of past existence is extinct. Past existence is always with us. It is the divine being actualized. The present moment is the divine being being actualized. <clears throat> and the future is still off limits to us. So it's at the level of Keter. So Echye is a name of the fully transcendent. And the birth of the consciousness of the divine into the world is constricted by the ten times Echye. I know this is deep, but you know I can't apologize too much for that. I'm giving over a very, very complex drush of the of the Arizal. And I've got to tell you that, as I warned Orna a long time ago, whenever I speak with Neshama Life, I always challenge myself to take the deepest possible concept inside the Arizal and give it over in a way that any reasonably intelligent person could understand. So I understand that I'm going at a, a fast speed on some very deep concepts, but I'm hoping that some of it will be uh, comprehensible. So the divine is attempting to be born in the world and it's constricted by these ten Echyes. What's the numeric value of Echye? 21. Yep. So the ten Echyes are 10 times 21, which is 210, which is Redu, which is the 210 years that the uh, people of Israel were in uh, bondage in Egypt. So they are constricting the birth, if you like, the birth canal of the divine idea in the world. And what Pesach represents is the transformation of that level of chitzoniyut, that level of exteriority of the concept of the divine in the world, to turn it into the seven levels, seven times the name Havaya, the name yud which is the name of the revealed divine in the world. God, just to go back to the beginning, to take a break, to make some people realize maybe what I should have said and haven't said. I don't know if you heard about it, but God created a world. And this world, the thought to create this world was not the first thought that God had. What the thought that God had actually that caused the creation of the world was the thought of relationship with other. But in order to materialize and and actualize that thought, it was required to have another thought, which is the will to create a world in which that relationship could then be embedded. This is the idea behind Ra'avad Ra'avin. This is the idea behind the will of wills. The will as Allah Machshava, which is the thought of the Jewish people. The thought of the Jewish people comes before the thought of the world. Radical though that might seem. But Midrash tells us very clearly that Allah Machshava, the idea to create, to, to create a limited world and put the divine, in, the infinite divine inside that. 
So the 10 levels of 21 of Ehyeh need to be transformed into the 7 levels of Havaya. Havaya is yud Hey vav Hey. That is the name of God, the revealed name of God in the world. Elohim is the name of the nat- God transcendent of the natural world, the universe, the laws of nature, all of which are divine, but are divine at the level that we call Elohim. And then life and revelation and the dynamic spirit of the divine consciousness in the world is Shem Havaya, is yud Hey vav Hey, And of course, as we famously know, the essence of everything is that Havaya Hu Ha'Elohim, that they are both aspects of the same God. There's no two different things going on here. They are both divine. But the revelation of God in the world through Israel is at the level of Havaya, yud Hey vav Hey, which of course is 26 in numeric value. And 7 times 26, of course, is going to give you 182, which, as I don't need to tell you, is of course Gematria Yaakov. So Yaakov, which is the manifestation of the concept of Yisrael in the world, and Yisrael in the world is divine consciousness coming into humanity and into the planet at large in order to reveal God uh, and move forward to the next phase of history. And that is the... That, that, that is the birth of a new Da'at. And we know that if Da'at is Keter, just Keter, the externality of Keter, if we know that Da'at is Keter, then we know that Keter itself has ten Sfirot. And so there are going to be ten Sfirot of Chitzoniyot that are going to cover our previous configuration, which is why, when you realize that, and don't get confused, I'm going now jumping deep into Etz Chaim, which is why you realize that, Orna, that the Chesed and Gvura of Abba Vima amitlabesh inside the Chochmah and Bina of Ze'er, because really they're created from a new Da'at that starts at the level of Da'at below Chochmah and Bina, then creates ten new Sfirot that cover the lower Sfirot. So you're going to therefore have three that are going to be hanging down below, which are going to become the Netzachot uh, Yisod inside the Chochmah Bin Avadat of the next level. But that's a whole different, that's how the dialectic of the Sfirot moves from one phase to another. You cannot have creative potency to create the next level without Da'at. So every new level of consciousness in the world sets about a new creative project. And of course, the new creative project of this new entity born in the world called the people of Israel was going to be to take the transcendent divine consciousness and bring it into an embedded existence and reality in the world. In order to do that, we needed then to use the seven lowest firot and to <laughs> fill them with that new consciousness. Now, here for a moment, I just need to digress for a moment because a lot of people sometimes get confused. 
between the Sefirot, the Sefirotic system, and the chakras. Some people have tried to synthesize that. And I'm pointing this out because what I'm about to say is of great importance for those people who try to synthesize different spiritual systems. And synthesizing different spiritual systems is a noble idea. I'm not against that. But you need to be aware that for the chakra system, everything really starts from your base chakra and you build it up. Yep, people who know about chakras will tell you that it would be dangerous to start from the top and work towards the bottom, that you build up from the bottom. So if we would look at that in Kabbalistic terms, what you're doing is you're preparing the Kli. But in Kabbalist, purely Kabbalistic terms, all divine energy that comes into the Sfirot comes from above. So it comes through Keter and it comes through the Mochin, through the intellectual faculties first before it permeates all the interiority of being and those seven lower sfirot are what are is rectified during the period between Pesach and Shavuot in the Sfirata Omer the Sfirata Omer is seven weeks times seven days so the 49 days of the Omer that we count which is what the Torah tells us to do is the bringing down of the new transcendent consciousness into all of the different midot that we won't go into right now. I'm just deciding on it because I think I'm going to uh, wind up with that idea because I think I've confused people enough already. Um, but the idea behind the Sfirot is to bring this new consciousness of God at the level of Da'at, at the level of acquisition. And I'll just finish on this point, which is the point that I, I will distill it to this. If we understand that these new concepts need to, or these old concepts, but these, this consciousness needs to be embedded in practice, what is the most profound and impactful habit of consciousness? It is counting. And so the practice of the mitzvah of counting every day, what do we do? We go, this is one day, this is two days, this is three days, this is four days, this is five days. That is, there is no greater habit of consciousness than that in the anticipation of the fully revealed consciousness which happens on the 50th day after the 50 gates of wisdom have also been paralleled in these 49 days and on the 50th day is the full revelation of the Torah. The counting is exactly that. It is to create a vessel for consciousness as we move towards the full realization of, uh, of, of, of the divine plan in the world, which is the Torah. Now, I know that that talk may have been a little bit high for some, but I wanted to communicate it. Uh, it's, it's, the sources it's based on are Priyat Chaim and Shara Kavanot, a little bit of Etz Chaim in the Ari on the meaning of Svirata Omer and Pesach, and you can read a lot about that, but it all will distill ultimately to that idea. Pesach is Da'at. Da'at is consciousness because it is the externality of the transcendent in the world. So it's, our, it's the world's understanding of God. Now we have an understanding that God interacts with the world, that God is invested in the world, and that God is revealed in the world. And not just some 
transcendent being that has no contact with our reality. And I thank you for listening to that. I hope everyone has a wonderful Chag, a wonderful Pesach, and will continue to enlighten the world with your thoughts and your journeys as uh, we move. In fact, humanity will move to the next major phase where all of these ideas themselves are transcended and a new, fully realized divine consciousness through the concept of Chochmah and the Or of Ma will come into the world and we will all be able to uh, enjoy Pesach together uh, in Yerushalayim. And I, Mu'adim Simcha to everyone. Uh, I'm going to stay online order if there are any questions, but I... Oh, uh, great. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Great. So, Pesach is Da'at because um, that's, it's like, that's the, we're talking about the flow yeah, of the Yeah, it's the, it's the birth of a divine consciousness in the world. Remember also, Orna, as you know, that Moshe is Da'at. So Moshe is the level of Da'at. So Moshe is the full realization of that level of the transcendent manifest in the world. But we are moving to, you know, Da'at is when Keter invests. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that answers the question that I interrupted, but is that... Yeah. Okay, cool. Excellent. Uh, Thank you. And I said it. I got some of it, probably not all of it, but thank you. None of us get all of it. Okay. Um, I understood that Da'at was really the kind of veil. And with this, and, uh, you know, I understood that there was like a veil from the Da'at to Kete. And in a way, what you're now describing is the fact that the veil on Pesach is opened. Yes. allowing that wisdom to come through. A hundred percent. I think that's a beautiful way that you've expressed that. Uh, I remember reading a sentence uh, many, many years ago in, in uh, when I was very young actually, in a philosophy textbook that said that told me that, and it's a very hard thing to refute, you know it's true, that consciousness is essentially a limitation. I mean, <laughs> since everything is divine reality, Consciousness comes from the level of Mitzarim, the or Mitzrayim, the level of constriction from the infinite into this reality. And Dart is the, in a sense, the switch box where that happens. And you're absolutely right. On the one hand, the metaphor could be like a veil between what is below and Keter. On the other, Dart shares also a relationship below with the level of Yesod. So all of that middle line. Keter, Da'at, Yesod, the Ari talks about the connection between those three. They are all manifestations of the same balance, of the same middle line. So therefore, Da'at is also a type of birth canal as well, since it shares that relationship with Yesod. But yeah, so that's beautiful. I mean, the, the concept of a veil is a nice idea. I hope that everyone has a wonderful Pesach and continues to go from strength. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the talk. For episode notes and transcripts, or to learn more about David's next classes and projects, visit davidsolomon.online. You can also find David on Instagram or Facebook. Thank you. We hope to see you again soon.